Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Less than three weeks from opening day of the 2020 baseball season. Good morning to you, baseball people. It is Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel here in uh, Chicago. And our man Bruce Levine out there in Arizona where he has camped out at both camps all week. What's going on, Bruce? Good morning. What does our man mean? You always use that. And, you know, I, I like the terminology, but I'm not quite sure what it means. What it means is that all of us here at The Score depend on you to provide us context, access, information. We, we need a guy, and you're the guy. Okay, very good. You can take that? Yes, thank you very much. Right, Matt, good. good morning to you. It's another beautiful day here in Arizona. I'm hope, hoping the weather is milder in Chicago as we... Present you, as you said, the last three weeks of spring training, starting right now, 20 days until opening day for the White Sox at home, the Cubs in Milwaukee. Uh, we had, we all survived score house. We did. We somehow survived a week of score house here, and it was uh it was a lot of fun having everybody down here. Yeah, it sure was. Um, some some good evenings with stories and conversation, and a lot of tremendous interviews and um, and access. I, I learned a lot in our conversations out there with Mac and Parkins, with Jason Hayward and Jed Hoyer and Kyle Schwarber and the Midday Guys. Talked to Kyle Hendricks and Chris Bryant and Theo Epstein. Uh, and then our one day out at Sox camp was really impactful in terms of the feeling and the vibe you get at that place. That place is just electric, and it dominated the news again yesterday, Bruce. Even though the game was at Sloan, the news was White Sox. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Matt, uh, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's Restaurant, Deli, and Bakery. They have the finest food and service in Chicago <clears throat> and located in Northbrook, Max and Benny's de- Dinner served from 4 to 9 p.m. Feature the freshest fish in the city, roast beef, chicken, skirt steak, and are they are certainly staples for fine dining at Max and Benny's. The best deli, yes, indeed. The best full-service restaurant, no doubt. The best break bakery, without question. Max and Benny's have a dedicated party room and meeting area that accommodates 10 to 125 people. Me- meetings, uh, bar mitzvahs, confirmations, and for close encounters, Matt, Brisses as well. 30 <laughs> minutes from downtown, 
30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as a Chicago skyscraper. So Yohan Moncada signs the contract extension. The White Sox get cost certainty with the guy who is their best player as of right now. And now they have cost certainty and team control for just about everyone of import among the positional players for lots and lots of years to come. This is We've talked about this as a concept for a, a while now, really going back to the Chris Sale and Jose Quintana contracts. Why and how are the White Sox so good at convincing players to take something that, that, that ends up being reasonable for the team? Well, I mean, it's a win-win, isn't it, Matt? I mean, you, you look at these uh, the, the terms, and these guys are, the, are multimillionaires from the get-go now. And as far as uh, the team... They have cost certainty now for the next five, six years. So when you see the five years, $70 million, okay, that means, uh, you know, that to most people means, oh, he's going to get about $15 million a year or something like that. But if you look at the terms of the contracts, which is more important, uh, you know, the bigger money doesn't start really coming along for the next two or three years, giving them giving them a, another chance to fill in more players, sign the Giolitos, sign the Kopecks, make trades for other players that they need to fill in, all of that to uh, make a championship-caliber team. So I, I think they're set up beautifully. All the players have to do is live up to expectations. This hour of Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Fisher Oven Roasted, Never Fried Snack Nuts. Never fried, nothing to hide. Uh, tell folks about the guests coming up on the show today, Bruce. We have... Jeremy Jeffress of the Chicago Cubs expected to join us today. And another Jeremy, Jeremy Haber, the assistant general manager of the Chicago White Sox, who really is the big dog when it comes to uh, being able to sign these contracts. He's the guy that works on some of the terminology. He works on uh, some of the dealings with the agents, much like Rick Hahn used to do before he was general manager. Rick uh, finalizes these things along with Kenny Williams, and the chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf. But uh, Jeremy is an integral part of this, and we'll be talking to him as well. Excellent. And Jeremy Jeffress knows the Brewers-Cubs rivalry from the other side, been around for a while, and very interested to see what kind of role that he plays in that bullpen, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's going to be a really important guy. If he can stay healthy, and last year was not a healthy year for Jeffress, if he can be anything close to the 2018 Jeremy Jeffress, uh, they're going to have a lot of great setup innings for Kimbrel, and if something happens to Kimbrel, they have someone successful, uh, someone has had success in that role, ready to back him up. You know, there are some question marks in the Chicago Cubs bullpen because there are uh, the unknown names uh, that are are vying for positions like the Pora, like Winkler, a guy, people that uh, other other fans have not heard of, but are are working toward being a part of that bullpen this year. So we'll, we'll see how that all works out. As I, um, as I look at the total payroll allocations for the White Sox um, for multiple years to come, you can project this out. It, it's amazing. It actually goes, goes down year to year uh, because some of the guys who are making the top-end money, like Abreu and like Keuchel, are not under contract for the years much further down the line. But as you say, having the certainty, knowing exactly what you're going to be paying 
your position players that that have to be your core at this point. It's like the risk on their end is that they're saying, I think that these guys that we have drafted or traded for and developed and now have, I think these guys are going to be as good as they need to be for us to be good. But to have that certainty means once Keuchel's contract is up, you need another pitcher, they can go out and buy one. They can go find one. And, and even more importantly, maybe, Matt, the snowballing effect of, hey, I have my contract, do you have yours? Hey, we're going to do something special here. We're going to be teammates for the next four, five, and six years. Uh, we are all taken care of. Our families' lives are going to be taken care of for a long time, their, their lives. So the, the team wins this particular um, part, portion of it because they get it for a team-favorable amount over a long period of time. And the player wins because they're taken care of for a lifetime. Maybe they don't have 20 million or 25 million or 30 million coming. But in real people money, these guys are all taken care of and their families taken care of forever. You think that snowball effect had an impact on Moncada's willingness to sign? It's only a couple of weeks, apparently, since they opened conversations and were able to to close it. I mean, you look around that, that, that clubhouse and he's like, yeah, well, there's Anderson. He's got a deal. Abreu obviously has a deal. Eloy has a deal. Robert has a deal. I might as well get myself a deal. Right. Well, they, they had conversations long before this. Uh, the, the serious conversations took place, as you said, Matt, two weeks ago. They started it. But there were there were preliminary uh, conversations uh, on this uh, going back for four, five, six months. So there there was a lot of talk. And, and again, this is the White Sox plan. It didn't just come up recently. Uh, if, they, if you go into their boardroom from last uh, September through uh, when they came to spring training, they, they have, you know, they have their boards up of what their projections are for 2021, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, their expenditures, what they feel uh, they'll have to fill in other position-wise as, as uh, some of the veterans go by the boards, as you mentioned, Abreu and um, – Keuchel, you know, only for three or four years. So all of these things are uh, part of a, a much bigger plan and scheme by the Chicago White Sox to be good for a long period of time. Let's listen to Rick Hahn talk about his players and having the ones locked up that he does. And he tries to be real level, usually give you both sides of the story, that kind of thing. I think he couldn't help himself um, at being a little bit giddy as he talked about these guys. I think we can objectively sit here today and feel like, you know, through the players you mentioned, that we have three of uh, arguably the most exciting young players in the American League under control for at least the next six years, and that's a that's a that's a good feeling. You know, these are young players who are still evolving. Those are still uh, very very likely haven't reached their ceilings. Uh, and are going to put us in a strong position for a long time. Now, again, those are those are three players on a 26-man roster, so there's other work to be done around them. It's Rick Hahn, excited, understandably, about that core, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And uh, I think the next step is Lucas Giolito. So is it too soon in your mind, Matt, to look at that breakout year from last year, see that he's the proper age, he's the uh, – going to be your number one right now as far as your rotation goes and uh, coming off of a slow spring training are you a little too queasy to give him a long-term contract now or do you want him to also prove that he can do it two years in a row before you rush uh, 50 60 70 million dollars his way as long as he's not antsy 
Bruce, and he was actually asked about it yesterday and talked about being in the present and stuff. As long as he's not antsy and, and edgy about not having a long-term deal, um, I, I, I'd be a little more patient with young pitchers, have him show it to you a little bit more. And I, I'm a believer in the breakout, but just, I mean, he had Tommy John surgery once, right, in, in, in high school before he was drafted. So, I, you know, a, a guy who's already had it once, I might, I might find myself waiting. Although their, their Quintana and Sale contracts uh, ended up being very effective. Yeah, of course. I mean, you have Quintana contract, you have Sale contract, you have the Eaton contract, you have the contract from Quintana. Uh, you have uh, going further back uh, with this group, Anderson. So when he talked about three guys, uh, young guys being under contract, he, he left out Anderson, so we add the fourth. Uh, you know, again, uh, you have to look at all the work that they've done going back to uh, to Sale and to Quintana, and uh, they have not made a mistake when it comes to giving contracts to their own players. Sure, in free agency, we've seen uh, mistakes made by them before this rebuild, but when it comes to evaluating and signing uh, these guys early, um, it's uh, it's absolutely uh, it's been a, it's been a win win all the way. Yep. Um, let's take a break, Bruce, because we're going to talk to well, Jim. Uh, Matt, we can keep it right here. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, we're getting word that uh, Jeffress may not make the show today, so let's continue on for a few more minutes and take calls at three one two six four four six seven six seven. You can text Matt at six seventy eleven. So dial it up, uh, White Sox fans, if you want to talk about this court, do it. Um, if you have your doubts and concerns, I, it always interests me uh, when the texters at six seventy eleven, Bruce, um, hear what they think they they want to hear. This texture says, this team won 73 games. Let's settle down with praise for a team that hasn't won anything in 11 years. Nobody said a thing about wins, sir. Nobody said a thing about predictions. What we're talking about is the core of young players and talent and the ability to sign them. And, and the risk that it's taking on the White Sox end is deciding, hey, we're right about these guys. I'm sure we could go back and find a young core that was invested in and they were wrong. But... The, the comp that I keep thinking about, and it's because they bring it up, Jim Tomey brought it up a couple of times uh, this past week, is his young Indians teams when John Hart locked up Carlos Baerga and Tomey and Roberto Alomar and all those guys. It's, you know, it, it's sensible if you think you've got the right mix to do this without a doubt. I, I, can you think of a team that, that got it wrong on all these guys? Well, uh, you mean that... that- Signed, uh, signed their young core to a bunch well, of contracts. Not too, not too many have attempted to do that. You yeah, know? it's true. Uh, again, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the situation here and you you see these guys uh, do it, they they are taking a risk because uh, they're putting all their money on these guys. But when you look at the talent base that they're doing it on, um, again, um, you know, you're you're looking at a uh, a team. Uh, that are full of potential superstars. Now, as the caller said, and I agree with him, they haven't proved anything yet. But uh, how many teams in baseball would not want to have the young group of talent right now that the White Sox have going forward? Uh, I think it's all going to be predicated on success. The success is going to be predicated not as much on the position players as it is the pitching staff. We know that is always the case. So the... uh, the progress of Giolito, the progress of Cease, the mm-hmm. progress of Lopez, the progress of Kopech, that's all going to determine 
if this is just a good team or it's going to be a team that is competitive to win a championship every year. The point of these deals is that it ends up being a reasonable number for the team as well as locking in generational wealth for the player. So, for instance, as I type in 2022, the year 2022, Eloy Jimenez will be making $7.3 million. So, yeah, you, you want him to be great, um, but if he is great, he's going to be worth a lot more than $7.3 million. If he's a 40-home run guy like you expect, uh, in 2022, he, that would be a bat that's worth, what, $14, $15, 16000000 dollars, and you're locking him in at $7.3. You're locking in Luis Robert at $6 million in 2022. Imagine if he's two-thirds of the projections of what he could be. He's worth a hell of a lot more than $6 million. That's what I think people don't understand about some of these rates that they're locking in with these guys. And here's another variable, Matt, that you have to talk about when you talk about the White Sox. They are a mid-market team in a a big-market city, okay? They're not the Cubs. They're not drawing 3 million people a year. They don't draw as much as Milwaukee does. Milwaukee draws 3 million a year most of the time now. So the White Sox attendance levels are going to be, when they're at their peak, somewhere between 2.3 and 2.6 a year, okay? So that is, uh, that is a situation where you have to look at that. There are other monetary values that, that include uh, monetizing the team and knowing how much revenue they take in. It's not the Cubs. So you cannot have a $200 million payroll. So being, being able to look at uh, these guys locked in, Knowing your payroll is going to be somewhere between 130 and 150 million dollars at its peak, uh, that is that is exactly what the, the White Sox are looking at. So if you look at their schedule and when these guys get a raise in pay, mm-hmm. you're also looking at the projected revenue increases in uh, attendance and <clears throat> marketing uh, value, yes. as well as uh, being able to. Um, to look at uh, other revenues coming in, including merchandise. And one last thing on these deals before we take a couple calls, Bruce, is that what they're also doing is buying out the arbitration years. So instead of every year having to go to an arbitrator and say, well, we hope to only pay you 10, we're going to end up paying you 12, you don't have to worry about that, you know exactly what it is from year to year. And in the case of Moncada's new extension, they bought out the first two years of his free agency. So they've got control for two years longer than they would have when they traded for the guy with Chris Sale and, and Michael Kopech in that deal from the Red Sox. One more, one more point before we go to either a break or callers, and mm-hmm. that is no trades are not in this from what I see. And with that being said, uh, these guys are also viable for being moved down the line, much like they moved Sale, much like they moved Eaton. No, we're not talking about them doing another rebuild we're talking about moving uh, parts where you have duplications yeah for pieces pieces that you need that's that's absolutely true it's interesting i saw with the christian yelich contract they went to nine years in part so they could get a no trade clause in there mm-hmm. and so christian yelich gets a no trade clause and look he's great but the Brewers are locked in for that 215 mil unless they can get him to agree to a trade at some point if their situation changes. The White Sox have proven an ability to make deals with, with their players under these contracts. And if they didn't give a no trade, well, a Blackhawks fan will look at that and say, huh, wish Brent Seabrook hadn't yeah. given a no trade. Exactly. So, and, 
and we don't know for sure uh, coming out after 2021 whether or not there'll be a salary cap or not. So uh, I know we have to take a break. Uh, all you callers, stand by as we'll get to you in this next segment. Jeremy uh, Haber of the White Sox to join us at the top of the hour. We're hoping uh, Jeffress, uh, Jeremy Jeffress joins us maybe in the 10 o'clock hour as well. All righty. And um, a lot of textures coming in comparing this young core to the Cubs' young core and asking some signability questions, and that is a conversation worth having as well. Keep it right here on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce. I'm Matt. It's right here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The bottom of the hour right here on The Score is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Coach Fitz and Northwestern Football return to Wrigley Field. On November 7th, as they host Wisconsin. Guarantee a ticket to this matchup with the purchase of season tickets. Buy now at nusports.com. Should take a few phone calls here, Bruce? Absolutely. All right, this is Kathy in Highland Park on 670 The Score. Hello, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, I didn't get a chance to see the game yesterday, um, but what do you all think uh, is our... White Sox going to beat us more this year over the Cubs. I know we play them four times in July. Who's looking better to you at this point, Cubs or White Sox? That is Kathy dropping the we uh, for the Cubs, Bruce. Who look, who's looking better overall? To me, it's a fascinating year on both sides. I can't wait to talk baseball with you every Saturday morning on Hit and Run every Sunday morning. I think both clubs could be between... 84 and 89 wins, something like that, or, you know, maybe some variance, but I think they're both going to be really interesting. You know what, Matt? I hate to be that guy, you know, when it comes to predictions and projections, but, you know, tell me the pitching staff and the health of the pitching staff, and then I'll, I'll give you a better idea. The White Sox are still a big question mark when it comes to their starting pitching. Now, do they have quality arms there? Without question. You added Keiko. He's a solid veteran. He's not the guy that uh, that won a Cy Young in 2017, but he should be a solid 175, 180-inning contributor. You have Gio Gonzalez that came into camp hurt. He's still hurt. We don't know anything about the fact whether he'll be ready for opening day or not. It appears it's going to be a long shot for him to be ready to th- be in the fifth spot opening day. Then you have Lopez coming back from a down year after having a very good year in 2018. You have Cease that is just breaking out of uh, that little web and, and showing that he's a major league pitcher. He's looked excellent down here. His command has been better. Uh, so he's still a, a work in progress, although a, a great arm. And Giolito has to prove that he can do it two years in a row. He had a great breakout year last year. Is he going to be the same pitcher or better this year? So there's plenty to prove for the Chicago White Sox starting pitching-wise. That said, they have a very good-looking bullpen. They have uh, Colome, uh, who has been a proven closer for a long time. Herrera has been up and down since the White Sox got him. You, have, you certainly have uh, Aaron Bummer, might be the, the coming star in Major League Baseball, 
as a two-inning guy, hater-like guy, or eventually a closer. Uh, you have other pieces in the bullpen that look very good. So from all of that, um, great-looking starting lineup and great-looking players alone are not going to get you 90 to 95 wins. You're going to have to have a good rotation with the Cubs. It's got to be bounce-back years for Lester. It's got to be Hendricks back to where he was a couple of years ago. It certainly has to be Quintana, not the guy we saw the last two weeks of the season. And Darvish certainly has to be the guy we saw in the second half. And Tyler Chatwood has to step up and give you competence in that fifth spot. Because behind him, you're looking at Alec Mills, Adbert Alzale. I, I, a lot of people that talk down there, Bruce, still not ready. A lot of people think about Adbert Alzale. I, I don't know how you feel yeah, about it. I have not seen it. I have yeah. not seen it. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, he just goes out there. He continues to walk people. He continues to give up the long ball. Yes. More importantly, he's got a very good arm, Matt. But he has not pitched a lot of innings in any season. So he's got to prove that he's a starter. He, he has to go to AAA, and he has to continue to show that he can be a six- or seven-inning pitcher down there. If he can do that and they can lengthen him out and prove that he's an innings guy, then uh, he can surplant a Chatwood or an Alec Mills at some juncture during the season if they need him at five. Right now, he just needs to go and do the work. I want to play something for you and for the listeners from Jed Hoyer uh, a couple of days ago, Bruce, because this texture says, can you answer me why the White Sox are so good at signing guys early and the Cubs just can't sign anybody? Um, the question to Jed Hoyer when we spoke to him the other day was, um, what effect did the 2016 World Series win just five years into their project have on the ability to sign these young guys that they have not been able to sign their young core. The timeline from a baseball standpoint was perfect, but yeah, I think there's an, there, you know, I think that that certainly, um, you know, that certainly had impacted a lot of one plus players that, you know, and some zero plus players, those, those won a world series. Um, that's a different dynamic than most teams are facing with their one plus and zero plus players, you know, and it wasn't just, a typical World Series, it was you know 108 year drought. So I think that yeah, that was a factor. But I mean, listen, you know, every every plan isn't perfect, and you know I think that the the ascent of that was just about perfect in terms of timing. And I think, that, but yes, I do think that you know that changed that changed the dynamic of extensions a little bit. There's no question. Yeah, you know, it's I find that interesting, Bruce, because John Lester referred to it yesterday too. Why haven't we signed our guys? We have guys that are just betting on themselves. Once you reach a certain point, it's like why not test free agency and see. Um, and I think part of that mindset was in these guys' minds because they won right away. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it, Matt. Uh, also, the fact that um, you have guys that um, were are just, uh, you know, Rizzo was already signed up, right? Yep. Lester was already signed up. So who are we talking about that you wanted to sign at that point? Baez was not a proven, uh, a proven you know, guy until – 2015, he really broke out. Uh, 2015 was the rookie year for Bryant. So, uh, you know, you couldn't sign them right away. You didn't You didn't want to, really. Uh, you had contract control for these guys for the next four, five, six years. So from all of that, they thought they had plenty of time to be able to sign those guys. And, again, look at Baez in 2015 uh, at the beginning of the year. He was in the minor league mm-hmm. to start the season, okay? He did not start with the team. So a lot of this is revisionist history, and it's not necessarily the same dynamic at all 
uh, that the White Sox have with their young players. This is David in Peru on 670 The Score. Hello, David. Hello. Uh, I like to listen to your show, but I was wanting to know, make a comment on Kenny Wilson's, or Kenny Williams, I'm sorry. He said on your show about three months ago that uh, his son was a great scout and they didn't know if they could keep him. And I think what I quarrel with that is the Fox have not done a very good job outside of Madrigal and Vaughn in their farm system. They've, and they've done a wonderful job of these trades and keeping their people together. And I really admire Rick Hahn for that. But, but in terms of drafting, he's talking about Bruce. And, there's, right. and there are a lot of guys who have underperformed. Carson Fulmer. Um, Zach Collins at age 25 right now, a first-round pick, being thought of as like a fourth catcher. Um, well, they, uh, Matt, they've, say, they've changed scouting directors, yep. amateur scouting directors, for the third time in the last six years right now. So from that perspective, um, they're trying to get it right. Uh, I don't think they were satisfied with what they were getting uh, before at all either. So with, with all that said, um, they had a lot of swing and misses when it came to the draft. Uh, but if you look back to the history of the Cubs before Epstein got there, um, Baez was the the last pick of Jim Hendry and the best pick of Jim Hendry uh, during their time, uh, going back to maybe be up before, like when Kerry Wood and Pryor were there. So it's Pryor, Wood, or Wood, Pryor, and then you jump pretty much all the way until you get to Baez, for impact players in their draft. It happens to organizations. Mm-hmm. And now you see Vaughn, you see Madrigal, and you don't don't leave out Tim Anderson, who was the number one pick. Uh, yeah, you know, the White Sox famously went between the Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura, Alex Fernandez years. Between that and Chris Sale, you're looking at 20 years where the best player was Aaron Rowand of the first-round picks. Mean, I mean, you had Carlos Lee, okay? Um, not as a first rounder in there. Not a first rounder, but you're right. You're right from the impact of a first round. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. but 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 yeah. No, it's what's interesting about where the White Sox are, Bruce. Um, before we take a break, is that they've got these guys that they have apparently hit on via trade or international signing, and they've got them locked up, and that is unequivocally excellent. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to win, but it's it's great to have it. But beneath that. There's not a ton of positional player excellence in that farm system. It's absolutely true. They, you'd think they would have more by now, um, and they do not. So these guys that they signed on multiple levels need to get the job done and stay healthy. Yeah, and, and will they all? I mean, I even asked uh, Han that question yesterday. Uh, can you afford a swing and miss on one of these or so? And they said, yeah. You know, it's, he said it's likely that – either by injury or a lack of production, that somebody won't live up to these numbers. But we feel good in the collective amount of guys that we're signing with Moncada, with Anderson. You know, certainly now you have uh, Anderson under that kind of control. You have Jimenez. Um, you know, tell me among those four guys, 
uh, a team that wouldn't want any of those four right now in a trade. Yeah, I think they all would. Um, Jeremy Habers, the assistant general manager of the White Sox, is going to join us at the top of the hour. Until then, more texts and phone calls on uh, for teams on both sides of town from you guys, the listeners, at 670 The Score. He's Bruce in Arizona. I'm Matt here in Chicago. This segment is brought to you by Kenosha Subaru. Six seventy, the score is where you are. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. Some text coming in, Bruce Levine from Jim and Lockport. The White Sox were second in WAR for draft picks from 2011 to 2020. Most of it is Sale and Simeon, but that still counts. I think they get a bad rap. Drafting is really hard. It is hard. I uh, I agree with that, well, Jim. And, well, the Simeon trade was one of the worst in their history. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they don't get any points for that. They get. They get points for drafting them. Yeah, that's right. Well, the Simeon trade is is not referenced enough as an example of what was wrong with the old philosophy, right? Because everybody will talk about the James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr., but Simeon, and it ended up being Frankie Montas, right? Frankie Montas, Josh Fegley. Fegley and Babbitt, who's in their rotation. Bassett, yeah, Chris Bassett. Bassett. Four guys. Yep. All big leaguers one of them was third in the mvp last year the american league so uh Mm -hmm. that was you know and again at the time samarjo looked like a missing piece for them coming from oakland he was an all-star that year if you'll remember uh traded from the cubs to oakland at that point uh he looked like an an all-star uh moving forward as well so they were they were looking at samarjo as a missing link and he came here and he had one of his worst years of his career uh, with the White Sox. So it just did not work out. This is John and Orland Park on the score. Good morning, John. You're inside the clubhouse. Hey, guys. Good morning. Um, listening to your last caller, I think one of the big differences I've noticed between the Sox and the Cubs, looking at both teams equally, is finding these major players to team-friendly contracts has been key with the White Sox. And I think that has to do a lot with not their success in the Cubs having trouble with winning the World Series because that's all of the attributed to timing. The White Sox have been successful at signing these players before they've peaked and signing them a team-friendly contract such as Quintana and Sale, which enable them to get such big returns for those players on the trade market because of their contracts, mainly also their talent. But I think that the White Sox are good at identifying that because they don't have the resources the Cubs have. And I think the Cubs may be a little lax because they feel they have the money and not to worry about that, that they can afford to sign them, which hasn't really been the case. But Well, that's an interesting question. Let's ask that, Bruce. Do you think that that Theo and Ricketts and everybody at Cubs Brass thought they'd have more money by these last couple years because the ballpark renovations went a little slower than expected and because the TV deal didn't quite develop the way that they thought it was going to. No, I mean, they they were trying to sign Arietta four years ago, okay? So they they had offered him a four-year, $88 million contract uh, after 2015. He turned it down, okay? So they, they've been proactive. The, uh, Epstein and Hoyer are tremendously proactive. But, you know, you get, you get trapped uh, with uh, agents like Scott Boros, who wants, wants to take their guys all the way to free agency to maximize the amount of money they get. Um, then, then you, you know, it's, it's a subjective situation. So they offered, uh, 
they're, they're probably pretty happy because they offered Addison Russell a four-year contract <laughs> for a lot of money. Wow. Uh, they're pretty happy that one didn't happen, okay? Uh, they, they've been trying to talk to Brian about a contract for a long time. He, he said that $200 million was never offered, but he did not deny that they had contract conversations over the years. So yeah, it, it was just a perfect storm. Arietta was an was an older player already approaching free agency. Yeah, and to your point, there. and to your point earlier about some of the position guys, Rizzo was signed. Um, Bryant is a Boris guy. Uh, Baez shows up in fifteen, but really doesn't break out fully as a star till twenty seventeen. So maybe that off season was a chance. But if I'm Baez, boy, I just I just broke out, and if you maybe maybe he just wants to keep rolling and. And, 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 and test the market. And then Schwarber, they haven't known exactly which Schwarber you're going to get as a long-term well, piece. And, and here's another primary example. Anthony Rizzo, a cancer survivor, signed a seven-year, $44 million contract that's going to be, with two options, end up nine years and $70 million. Now, he's been a star player in this league for a long time. He arguably has left $150 million on the table. But from the perspective of him signing... Uh, he hadn't proved anything when he signed other than he was going to be a good player. He wasn't Anthony Rizzo yet. So from, from all of that, uh, he's an example in that room of, hey, uh, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table if you're going to sign early. Don't do it. Here, I did it because of these circumstances. I did it because I was a cancer survivor. I did it because uh, you know I had a long career ahead of me and I was going to be a free agent again at 32 able to step out in the marketplace. So with, with these other guys, they're not going to be uh, 22 or 23 years old or 24 when they sign these contracts. Hmm. This is going to be their last time to make big money in a contract. And that's, uh, that's a, another thing that you have to look at and say, you know, it's not it's, – they can't afford to let the team win – this type of contract situation. They have to win this one. Yeah, and, and, and very simply, uh, people need to remember that the White Sox are three years behind the Cubs in terms of the timeline of these guys. It's, maybe it's easy to think about Robert Jimenez, Mancata in a similar way that you thought about Baez, Bryant, and, and Schwarber, but, you know, they're at very different points now in their career. These guys are already approaching the years or in the middle of the years that the White Sox are buying out with some of their deals. Right. So, so the, the, the dynamic's not the same. I mean, uh, and, and also uh, the White Sox are entering the fourth year of their rebuild. Uh, they're expecting to win, but the Cubs were ahead of schedule. They actually went to the playoffs in the fourth year of their rebuild under Epstein and Hoyer. Uh, so that was, that was a year early. You know, are the White Sox really uh, to, you know, thinking that, they're a playoff team right now, or is this a year too early for them as well? You know, you know what's interesting is, and a texture brings it up, that in the future, White Sox need to focus on college pitching. And, it, it, I mean, that, that's a way that you can get guys quickly, cheaply, theoretically, and they've done that. Some successful with Sale, some not so much with Rodon and, and Fulmer. You could argue Rodon derailed by the injuries. But uh, it, it's interesting because, like, the Cubs – knew they were going to have to go out and buy pitching. And they did, some of it working, some of it not. The White Sox are going to have a lot of money locked up in positional guys, and they're going to need cheap pitchers, which can be hard to find. I prefer the uh, young superstar high school player now. I'll tell you why, Matt. I mean, again, uh, 
Major League Baseball teams used to say, let the colleges do the development mm-hmm. of the pitcher. But now that we see young players, uh, 11, 12, 13, uh, being pushed along quickly in all these travel leagues, those arms are, are bent out of shape by the time they get through college, okay? They might be on their second Tommy John by the time that they get to you as a uh, draft pick. So uh, I prefer that you get to these guys in a younger fashion, use your expertise in your organization to move them along, and, and try to avoid that first Tommy John. Mm, I, I, I disagree with you. I think there's, there's a lot on, of examples on both sides, but like – they took the Vanderbilt guy in Fulmer. I think they just took the wrong one. Walker Bueller was a teammate. Like, there's, there's guys. And, and well, I'm not comparing it to uh, not doing a good job of scouting. I'm just saying I don't, I don't like the guy that goes through an entire college program necessarily if it's not a good college program. Mm-hmm. I think you, I think you put, point out if it's Vanderbilt or it's Southern Cal Stanford. or it's one of the top, one of the yep. top teams, you're right. That's great. That's great training. But it, it is so subjective when you talk about, you know, pitchers that throw 95 to 98. Absolutely. One more phone call before we take a break. This is Shoelaces on the south side. What's up, Shoelaces? How you doing? Hey, how y'all doing today? <laughs> We're good. Yes, um, I want to ask folks, um, how is the minor league system looking for the Sox and the Cubs at this present time? How, 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 how are they graded yet at this okay. time? Okay, yeah. Hey, great hearing from you. Thank you. Uh, Matt, you pointed out well the uh, the White Sox – Right now, seem to have a lot of their position players other than Vaughn and Collins uh, at the major league level. I don't think Collins is going to make the team. Uh, he's going to catch every day, I believe, at AAA. Uh, so um, we're not hearing much more there, but, I mean, they have all their youth at the major league level. The Cubs certainly have uh, a couple of guys. Marquez is certainly a guy they're looking at. Uh, they're looking at uh, Amaya as one of the top young catchers in the game. Uh, they're they're hoping that uh, Alzelay comes along and fills uh, fills up uh, the belief that he was going to be a top pitcher. But um, you know the Cubs have been way behind as far as an organization. How many times have we talked about it, Matt? Probably every week over the winter. How the minor league system has uh, pretty much failed them. Mm-hmm. You know you have Horner that's going to play second base probably the beginning of the year every day at AAA. He's going to be a good player. So. Uh, they, they have players coming, but it's been, you know, pretty much a disaster when it comes to uh, starting pitching, right. pitching in general. Right now, you've got the White Sox ranked sixth by MILB.com, ranked 13th by Keith Law, as he did some rankings. But, you know, both clubs have four players in the top 100, I believe, which is interesting considering they've been going in different directions and doing different things. Now you're not counting guys that are on the 25-man roster. Um, it's a good question. I, I think I probably am because Robert and Kopech will still be are, are among those that are in that top 100 for the White Sox. Okay, so they have two others, and you're saying, in their organization. Right, the Andrew Vaughn and, and Nick Madrigal. Uh, pretty much them. Um, all right, so he's Bruce Levine out in Arizona. I'm Matt Spiegel here in Chicago. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Jeremy Haber, the assistant GM of the White Sox, will join us next as we continue on here for another hour. Keep it right here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.